We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How about I go ahead and address the larger than average elephant in the room? No, I have never coached the sport that you folks call football. And heck, you could fill two internets with what I don't know about football. <laughs> Hold on now. If I were to get fired from a job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You got the boot for putting boots in the boot. <laughs> I love that. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10-second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Another episode of our Ted Lasso Season 2 recap. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, a woman who I would gladly invade France with. It is Alex McDaniel. Alex, how are you tonight? That was so lovely. I'm doing well, thank you. I would invade France with you too, Kyle. That's that's everything I've ever wanted, is just someone to, to storm the coast <laughs> with me. Uh, Alex, what is what is going on at For the Win? You guys released an awesome uh, ten, I think ten greatest sports video games ever. You left off the MVP baseball franchise. It has strained our relationship, but I think we're going to survive. <laughs> we did. We just partnered with this great uh, team in Sweden. You know how sites do. Um, called Good Luck Have Fun, and they're providing a lot of really cool gaming content and esports content. So that's going to be a lot of fun to have on the site. And yeah, we're rolling along. It's fun. Check us out. FTW.USAToDaySports. No, wait, I got that wrong. Let me start over. FTW.USAToday.com. Everyone go check that out. I've only been there six weeks. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. If you, if you were three months in, it'd be a big deal. (laughs) Exactly. I'm still new. So this, this week's episode of Ted Lasso, one of the main themes is, uh, an, an, an athlete turned broadcaster dealing, dealing with some stuff. So we had to roll in a special guest, uh, joining us, it is ESPN's Mike Golick Jr. Mike, thanks so much for joining Big Screen Sports. You had me at special guest. Thank you for having me, guys. <laughs> this makes me so happy. Tell the folks where they can follow you, where they can check out what you're doing. You got you got a lot of irons in the fire. Yeah, and uh, and and some of that changed as of uh, the day of reporting recording this podcast. Here, uh, I won't be breaking any news because ESPN PR put it out there, but you can find me on Twitter at Michael Jr. Twitter and Instagram. And then the radio show I do is currently Chenangola Jr. from four to seven Eastern. Although it was just announced on ESPN radio that uh, my former co-host Chene is going to go on to some cool things inside the company away from the radio show. And so Chris Canty hall or uh, excuse me, uh, Super Bowl champion 
defensive lineman from ESPN 98.7 in New York is going to join me there in the afternoons now. So very excited about that, but uh, home base four to seven on your radio somewhere. So exciting. Awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. And a uh, little housekeeping on this podcast. Uh, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash big screen sports. Want to shout out our newest patron, Patty Houlihan, between former Notre Dame football player, Mike Golick Jr. And a guy named Patty Houlihan. This is easily <laughs> our most Irish episode of this podcast. Also shout out to our producer patrons. That's Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Christine, and Kevin Frost. If you go to patreon.com slash big screen sports, you get to support the show. You get to vote on movies and patrons choice topics to be covered by the podcast. There's a vote out now for, uh, for two September movies, barring a shocking upset. Uh, it looks like the patrons have voted for episodes on the greatest game ever played and almost famous, which is a perfect movie. Uh, so probably going to be covering those in September, but get in now, get change your vote. If you somehow hate those movies, uh, you get discord access. If you do that and you get stickers, we've got stickers on the Patreon. Everyone loves stickers. So patreon.com slash big screen sports. But for now, it is time to get into Ted Lasso Season 2, Episode 5, Rainbow. Nate learns how to be assertive from Keely and Rebecca. Ted asks Roy for a favor. This episode covered three themes that are very important to me. Rom-coms, missing playing sports, and struggling to be assertive. So this was a very, (laughs) very important episode for me personally. And mostly for me, this might have been the peak of the show of finishing an episode and feeling like truly blown away. I mean, every time an episode finishes, I'm just like this, this show, it kills it. It's good. But this one, I was in shock. I was thinking about it the entire like night before I went to sleep. I woke up thinking about it and it, it was, it was so interesting that it stuck to this bit. It does this rom-com bit, like it commits to it, but it doesn't like some shows will do bit episodes and it kind of detours off the highway. And it's like, we're just focused on this thing and we'll get back on the highway next episode. But this one, it doesn't detour. It's just, we're going to commit to this bit, but we're still going to develop our characters, develop the plot, just give us everything we want while also doing this, this rom-com shtick, which is incredible. Mike, when you wrap this one, what went through your head? I think it was just that trying to process in some ways, like the stark, very concrete change that we got here in the ending of that episode. I mean, everything that goes down with Roy there, but also like all of the groundwork that was laid in this episode, because I think this is an episode that as big as it felt in some of those moments, so many of the things that I was curious about were very like under the radar. They're things that were kind of weaved in throughout the episode And they're all with their stories really told, I think, at the end there in like little looks and glances that tell you a lot about how everyone is processing all the change in this episode. Alex, it's one of my favorite weekly traditions to get a text from you on a Friday morning (laughs) saying, I can't, I I fell asleep early, but I just watched the episode. Like you've, you've always watched it before I've even woke up. When, when you wrapped this one, what was, what was your instant, instant reaction? Well, it's different because when you can stay up late, like you can do that and then try to go to bed. Right. But then when you're doing it in the morning before work, you're on this high and you're like, Oh, I gotta get my kid ready for school. And I'm all like singing the rolling stones. Like we played, she's a rainbow in the car on the way. And he did not care. And he wanted to hear the Lego movie soundtrack instead. And it was just, it was this whole thing. And I just, I loved it. I loved it so much. And what's funny is because of the way I was with Loki, where I was waking up at like 4am every Wednesday to avoid spoilers People are assuming I'm watching it on Thursday night. So I just get blown up with messages by the next morning asking like what I thought of it. And it's kind of a bummer, but 
I'm not going to tell anyone. I, I make sure to text you nothing. It's My texts are always spoiler free, just in case you no. wake up and you see it and you haven't watched. You're good. My friend, my friend Adam, Adam Amin, he sends me messages and they're all just him screaming. So it's always like, ah, can you believe? That's so. the good part about Adam's though, is they are spoiler free because they're just guttural, all caps, exertions of emotion. Exactly. So I'm like, well, it must've been a good one. I don't know what happens, but it must be good. So this is such an all cap show. And it's funny. There's all cap shows like game of Thrones. You watch the red, red wedding and it's like all caps, like something crazy happened in this one. It's like our Ted and Rebecca messaging on banter, all caps. It's just so much to unpack, but before we we dive into this one, Mike, I, I've Alex and I have talked about this and in this show, and I, anyone who comes on to talk about it, I ask them, how did you experience Ted Lasso? Because with this one, I think it's so it's so different. We've got Alex who was day one on it, experienced it week to week last time it came out, and is now. Were you a week to week person? Did you? I found it later and straight up binged it. How did you come across Ted Lasso? And have you? Have you been, I guess, Team Lasso since episode one? I was like you. I was late to the party on this one and ended up watching episodes, I believe, one through five from like 10 o'clock at night until like one o'clock in the morning and then waking up like five hours later and just finishing the rest of it before I even could get out of bed the next day. So I was a total binge on season one and have now obviously been week to week on season two, which has been a really interesting way for me to kind of like try and wrap my thoughts around everything I'm thinking of because I have to remind myself not only did I binge watch this all in one sitting the first time but it was also at the height of the pandemic like the context for all of us was a lot different than walking into season two of this one but consumption wise definitely changed it up yeah yeah I actually I've enjoyed the week-to-week process and I know when Alex and I did the season one rewatch I kind of enjoyed taking because I, I watched them week by week when we did that I actually enjoyed that and then getting a rewatch in and because this this is a show with with no I was talking about this on on Monday's episode of this podcast with my guest Chad Finn and we were talking about how this show you can't passively turn it on it's got to be you you're dialed in. it's like the office where I would say like you know 70% of each episode of The Office is great. It's funny. You can dial into it and you, you can, you know, you can look the other way for a little bit with this one. And Alex, I think I know you're like this is that you, you got to dial in because the show has no wasted moments to the fact where even if you're rewatching an episode for the fifth time, you're always picking out something new. Yeah. Like I just, I think the storytelling is so good and I think it's so intentional and I don't believe there's a moment of the show that's wasted, not even a poster on the wall or, you know, a line that seems like it's in passing or it was just a one-liner. I think everybody, everything is so good. And so you have to go back and rewatch it and catch a million things and then feel stupid that you didn't catch it the first time. That's the beauty of the show. And Alex, last week we we talked about, we we went a little in on Love Actually uh, because we, yeah, we get yes. the the end of the Christmas episode is, is Love Actually related. And, and we had we had our qualms with that movie. And little did we know that we would be we'd be all in on rom coms with this episode. And I, I don't think we we answered this last week. Do you have a favorite go to rom com? Was it something mentioned in this in this episode? Because they they hit a lot of the they play a lot of the hits. I think when Harry met Sally is the perfect movie. I think it's the perfect movie. 
That is also mine. What about you, Mike? Do you have a favorite rom-com? When Harry Met Sally is is very close to the top here, but like <laughs> one of my go-to date movies in high school was Something's Gotta Give with Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton. So That's a good one. And Keanu Reeves sneaks into that one, which is always <laughs> a bonus for everyone here. Hot Dr. Keanu Reeves back in the day, a triumph. I also just say one of the, it's not my favorite all time, but I think the funniest rom-com I've ever seen is Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds. Have you guys seen it? It's so yes. good. It's, it's really funny. Strangely enough, my college baseball coach loved that movie. So on our first road trip of every year, Just Friends was the first movie that had to play. So I knew I was watching it at least once really a year on, you on the bus. The yeah, really, really strange. Like, hey, guys, we're driving down to Laredo, Texas. Let's watch Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart get together. No, I but really funny. I love Nora Ephron and I think she was just a brilliant storyteller. And I think the beauty of when Harry met Sally is it shows that love and relationships aren't like my dad used to say, and I always hated when he said it because I didn't understand it until I was older. But he would always say, Love travels down a gravel road, and that sounded so negative to me. I'm like, why can't it just be great? But I get the point where he's saying, like, a lot of times it might start somewhere. And it's going to go on a weird journey and it might end up really well for you, but it's going to be weird the whole time. And, you know, as a storyteller, you kind of love things like that. You don't want things to work out so easily. So I think it's a lot like the show in the way that I know we always remark on, especially with Ted and Coach Beard, the chemistry that a lot of these characters have. And I thought like Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, like that was that effortless kind of like it was the ball was never static. It was always getting batted back and forth in a way that like you had true equals on screen there. Yep. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Ted Lasso and <laughs> Ted Lasso and when Harry met Sally, just two, two peas in a pod, but let's segue into the best scene of this one. There's, there's a lot. It has been, I, I'll admit it has been very hard just picking one. Cause in season one, we, we went really in depth and on each episode, we basically Good. essentially talked about every single scene. So Picking one has been tough. And I mean, this because this episode, it starts off basically with the I believe in rom communism thing, which <laughs> is an amazing, amazing team moment. But Mike, as as the, the special guest, what scene in this one sticks out to you when you finished it or when you've rewatched it? What is the one scene you kept going back to? Because I'll admit throughout the episode on first watch, I was like, oh, this is going to be my favorite scene. And then the next one would be like, oh, no, this is going to be my favorite scene. And then it just got better and better and better. Yeah, it actually took me until a third watch for me to kind of settle in on the one here. And it grew on me a little bit every time. And you mentioned it in my intro, but it is Roy Kent's takedown of the entire industry of sports talk media. Like that onset sort of diatribe about all that. Like it, it resonates for a lot of the reasons that you'd expect here. Like I think especially like anyone that's been around team sports in any sort of capacity and then gets into the job like this you realize like I've always said my favorite part of this industry is getting to call college football games because I get as close as I can to the edge of going back and being a player in the way you prepare and the access that you have, but you're still never quite there. And every time I'm around a locker room and I see the way everyone operates inside there, you realize that unless you're inside, you never fully get back to what it was. And we all try and still ground ourselves in that and the way that you approach it. But at the end of the day, like it happens to me all the time where you slip into it and you don't always treat these athletes like people and you don't always give them the respect and agency that they deserve. And then at some point feel like shit about it after that. And it, 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 
it becomes, I think, an internal conflict for a lot of us to do this. And so to see Roy kind of voice that in that big moment, I was like, yeah, no, that's 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 familiar. All we do is sit around here and guess what a bunch of little pricks are going to go and do out there. Then we come back at half time and we complain because they didn't do exactly what we thought they'd do. We don't know. Of course we don't know. We're not in the locker rooms with them. We're not on the pitch with them. We can't look them in the eyes and encourage them to be better than they ever thought they were capable of being. We're just, we're just on the outside looking in, judging them. Yeah, and I mean, in right into that big moment, he also, they, they mentioned the thing about the cold and he goes into that, that whole thing about how much he misses it. And I think anyone who has played sports, anyone who has done anything in life that they have poured their, their heart and soul into, whether that's, you know, sports or any, just any sort of club, like theater in high school, literally marching band, marching, (laughs) marching band. Uh, My, my wife did, did dance and stuff in high school. And I know she misses it, but like when you're, I, I felt that on such a real level. And Mike, I think like in college, you probably played half your games in the freezing cold. So you probably felt that <laughs> on like a very physical level, but it, it is that. So the thing that Brett Goldstein has done, he, he's been on a different level with this season. In my opinion, he's still five episodes and he's still winning the season, doing an incredible job. But when he says, when he says, I miss it all, you can just hear it in his voice. There's all, there's almost like some, a crack in there. And you're put into that. Anyone is put into that that same mindset of of missing everything about whatever it was that you used to put your heart into and is not there anymore. It was as relatable a moment, I think, as this show. I mean, the show has had a ton of relatable moments. It's it's what it you know what it prides itself on. But getting into to Roy's psyche and you because it, it's been the unsung thing of this whole season is that like yes, he's back. You know, he's he he got the studio job and he's good at it and he likes it, but he he misses soccer. And we saw that at the end of of season one when he he walks off the pitch after getting hurt. You knew it was going to be his last game as that emotional thing. And that's something that anyone who has ever put their heart and soul into anything has to find a way to to fill that to fill that void, which is really difficult. And we we get to see Roy kind of have that moment of realization of I need to get this back in my life. And it is it is absolutely beautiful. And Alex, I know you're as, as big a Roy fan as anyone because you were you were tweeting today about how handsome Brett Goldstein was, which I Who, me? can't argue <laughs> can't argue about that at all. But the Roy you know, Roy's moment in the studio uh walking out, what was what was your reaction? Oh, I think he's brilliant. And like I've been a big Brett Goldstein fan for a while. I think his podcast is wonderful. If you guys haven't listened, I know I mention it all the time, but films to be buried with. It really shows just how sensitive he is as a person and how he's nothing like Roy Kent. And his, even his voice is a little softer and he's lovely. But I think his character, especially here, I mean, all season they've been dropping little breadcrumbs, right? Like the way he speeds away when he sees Ted and the fact that he hasn't come to pick up his tickets. Clearly he's avoiding it for some reason. And it's not for hatred of Richmond. I mean, obviously he misses it, but he doesn't know a way to get back around it. And so, yeah, I think that moment and then when he looks back and he's like Jeff I have to go okay and I just lose it I lose it and I think for the the particulars of best scene I think we can just qualify the entire from Roy having that realization at the studio all the way to walking in to the to the title song into the stadium is just I mean it's a it's one kind of single run he gets his ticket as Reba 
Uh, Mike, when you when Roy walks into the to the stadium and the song starts playing and the crowd starts chanting, that that had to bring back some memories. Well, it, it's the most unique drug out there. I remember one time um, I was back in South Bend, like after I had finished up, and I was around the locker room on a day where there were recruits in there, and it wasn't like a thing where I was like asked to do something, but I was just over there talking to those guys. And I was like, listen, I don't know if you're going to come here or not, but I know you get six, maybe seven Saturdays of fall for four years here. And I was like, the minute you hit that sign and walk out there and you hear 82,000 people, nothing in your life is ever going to match that. Like, you just have to get over that right at the end. It's why the fall is so hard. And it's, it's why all of this with Roy is so interesting because this is still a midpoint thing. Like all the stuff Roy's cycling through right now is what athletes are normally told are your next steps after you're done, right? Like you miss that feeling so bad that it's, well, why don't you go into broadcasting? You can stay close. Everyone asks you when you get done, if you want to get into coaching, why don't you stick with that? And that's why I'm interested if this is actually the end game for Roy, because so much of the message last season when he's talking to Keely and Phoebe is, hey, you're more than just all of this. Like, this isn't just what you are, but that's a process everyone's got to feel out on their own. And it's not a bad thing if you wind up back in the vicinity the way a lot of people do. But I just wonder how deep into the like onion of former athlete trying to find his way we're going to go with Roy because to your point Alex he's clearly capable of taking this as far as you want to go and coping with all these things especially in a season where we're going to go right into like the mental health sports psychology of how this all works so Mike I'm curious do you ever want to get into coaching no for all the reasons that Roy thought about there but the stuff that he pointed out there like getting to see someone take something you said and apply Mm -hmm. it and it work like that part gave me chills too. When he like, when he says all that to Isaac and kind of MFs him by the fence there. And then he looks over at Ted and goes, was that good? Like that, that was the part that gave me chills and got me a little choked up, honestly, yeah. because it was simultaneously like as much as he has like a different verbal relationship with Ted, it's someone that matters to him and had an effect on his career. And he just watched the same thing happen for him. And like, what a, like that's all any of us, especially in sports, want to do is just pay forward a little bit of what we've been given by someone. So that's that's the part of coaching that like is always enticing to me. It's the rest of it that all it's the same reasons that Roy was <laughs> like, no, I'll never do this. Shit, leave me alone. <laughs> Mike, on the other side of the coin, as as someone working in sports media and calling games, have you ever wanted to speculate on if a player is going to go home and and have chips for dinner and have a wank before bed? <laughs> I I do appreciate I was watching that because like again as we sit here and do this podcast and I slug wine my dream has always been to be like Kathy Lee and Hoda and do a radio show where I can drink wine on air yes and it's acceptable so the welcome fact that to that do- show <laughs> we, are, we are home we are home we'll send you the schedule invite for next week and we'll all, we'll all pick our favorite bottle of wine there we go but yeah no it is uh uh, definitely, I hope to get there one day where I am either reckless enough or well paid enough to be able to go on and say how whatever I want, like Roy. Awesome. So, Alex, is there a scene in this episode that sticks out for you that is not the entire end, Roy sad piece? Because I mean that that scene is meant to be the big moment of the episode. It's it's the longest extended shot. This episode is mostly about Roy. Is there anything else that really, really sticks out to you if we just want to put some other feelers out there? I mean, I think it's not so much a scene. I do think we need to address what I think is a big red herring 
of Rebecca and Ted texting each other because of the way they shoot it. And like, she's texting and then it goes to him texting and the whole, um, you've got mail thing of the, what is it? The NY one five two. And the screen name is LDN LDN one five two. I'm sticking to my theory that I think she's talking to Trent Krim. I really think she is. All we know is he has a daughter. We do not know if he's married or coupled or with anyone. All we know is he has a daughter and we know he reads books and is a writer and it wouldn't be surprising for him to use a movie about books. I don't, you know, here's the one. I have not seen the Trent Krim theory. I have seen a theory that it's actually Beard, which that would be a fierce sexual couple. I Rebecca don't know. And Beard. <laughs> <laughs> like I could see it being a fierce sexual couple, anyone with Beard. But here's my thing too, that is preventing me from, and I don't know this. So let's ask our, our two, we have two British listeners. We might be up to three now. I don't know. Here's the one thing that threw me off. In the final text exchange, when he says to her, oh, you're a football fan, who's your team? In in the UK, in Europe, would you say team or would you say club? Like, I thought mm. club was the natural thing. I mean, I know they also say team, but I mean, for like natural lingo, would you say who's your football team or would you say like, who's your club? That's my question. I'll get some DMs. We, the that. British listeners need to. They always to answer my British questions so well. And I always feel so stupid when I ask them, like, hey, British listeners, tell me about your culture. But that's the one thing that threw me where I was like, oh, man, it could be an American. I don't know. I'm of the thinking that it would be almost it'd be almost strange if it ended up being Ted, because I don't feel like the show makes things that obvious. It definitely leads us into some stuff. We had a feeling Roy that we were building up to Roy coming back to that stadium at least once. But they're laying the heavy hints, and I don't know. Like, I, I think it is definitely going to be someone we know. I, I really don't think it's going to be Ted, and I might look like an idiot here in a couple mm. weeks, but I really don't. Mike, do you have any other theories as to, as to who she might be messaging? Uh, no, I actually, I'm kind of very interested in Alex's Trent Krim theory, especially because, like, the one part that is probably like the biggest red herring that can be the fork in the road is the choice of quote, just not sounding like something that's necessarily in Ted's repertoire either. Right. Like we've heard Ted quote Walt Whitman, and that is about the only author in that. Like he sneaks the Einstein quote in when you see uh, Nate getting ready to walk out in the pitch in the tux, but like, again, does not sound on brand with Ted would be very interested if it ended up being Trent Krim. And then we just find out that Ted is like still texting stinky or something. I know, which I really, I still think that could work. I still think that's, I would love to see that work. I I mean, they did drop her back in. So, and they had great, great chemistry. Apparently Ted Lasso, generous lover, great one night stand partner. I would love to see that happen. I just don't see Ted and Rebecca having any sexual chemistry whatsoever. Like, I think they are great friends. I think we saw in the Christmas episode, you know, like they're close friends. I don't see them like getting drunk one night and accidentally hooking up, you know, not saying that's my definition of sexual chemistry, by the way, I'm just thinking in my head of all the possible movie scenes you could come up with. I don't see them accidentally falling into bed together, you know? Yeah. They seem much more platonic. Yeah. I just, I feel like there's a line there and I don't see that happening. And if it does fine, but I don't know if I can buy into it. It would take a lot. Yeah. I I don't. Yeah. I, I think that would be trying too much. And this is a series that hasn't, it hasn't really gone out on a limb in that way. Yeah. It doesn't, it hasn't, it hasn't taken a ton of, a ton of super big risks. 
in in that regard. So I, I think that'd be an interesting move. I would like to give one an honorable mention to a scene that is 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 very small. It's almost almost throwaway. It is the story of how the Higgins is met. And it's it's the title of the episode. It explains why his ringtone is She's a Rainbow. And he's pouring beer all over himself, playing upright bass. And he has that quote, the best brand is just being yourself. And that's a theme of this episode because Keeley says something along the same lines to Nate. And I Higgins gets he gets so like sprinkled in in all these episodes. We've rarely had a Higgins is driving this plot, but he is such a treat. And especially now that we know that his show wife is his real life wife, it just makes it even better when they meet at the end of the, at the, in the stadium and there's wearing blue. It's absolutely fantastic. So I, I just wanted to, to give a shout out to, to the Higgins scene. Is there any other scene that anyone wants to shout out before we, before we move on to the other categories? No, I think that's, I think that's a winner there. (laughs) I love Higgins is just, he's the show's dad. Like he is every bit of like ideal dad energy in the fact that he just like dispenses those little nuggets. And for me, like in the Christmas episode, when he does not outright cry addressing the table, that to me is peak dad. You're jo- you can go right up to the edge, but you're not going to lose composure because you're built for this moment. You're the dad. I also, same vein. I love when he is bringing the surfboard into the room and he goes, I wonder what it could be. <laughs> I was like, what a dad thing to do. It was so cute. And you know that he was even like that 29 years ago because he was spilling beer on himself playing upright airbase. He's just this the same old dude who just transitioned flawlessly, flawlessly into into dadship. So and shout out to dudes with bad lower back discs too, by the way. L four L five S S one here in the house. Gelatinous. Let's take a quick ad break and then get back with our with our best one liner. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, so we are back. Uh, Something we do every episode is talk about our our favorite one-liner, under-the-radar joke. It's something that this show does insanely well. I wanna. I will start by throwing out one of my favorite things in this episode. No, you're gonna so steal random. mine too. Is it Roy saying I dated Gina Gershon oh, no. once? Because that is <laughs> that is incredible. Gina Gershon also like 15, 20 years older than Brett Goldstein. I should have done that that research, but she is. I think she's significantly older than Brett Goldstein. Even better. Which I know, which makes it which <laughs> makes it way better. Ted's just deadpan delivery of 
That makes me happy. <laughs> just knock That's me the avatar ass. for us is that because it made us happy too. Yes. Alex, what was uh what is yours since I did not manage to steal it? I'm amazed. Um it's when Rebecca's making herself big and Keely goes, Fuck, you're amazing. Let's invade France. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Keely has such a gift for those under her breath kind of lines. <laughs> I know. It's so wonderful. I love it. I saved a little screenshot of it so I could just send it to random people. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gina Gershon, 20 years older than Brett Goldstein. Or, excuse up. me. Excuse me. 19 years older than Brett Goldstein. So that that's a couple I'm, I'm here for. Uh, I mean, obviously, obviously, Keely and, Keely and Roy need to have a million kids. But young Roy dating Gina Gershon, that's a, that's a good fit. That's a good good for the young lad. It also makes sense why Roy ends up the way he is, that he dated a woman 20 years older than him. Totally. <laughs> totally. Mike, what was your favorite under-the-radar joke in this one? So mine, I don't even know how under-the-radar it was. I wrote down a bunch, but I settled on... Hit- Let them all fly. That's that's basically what we do on this one. Anyway. We never pick one. I, I, I mean, I don't know if it was the actual joke itself or the reaction. And this isn't my one, by the way. This is like the honorable mention is the, he's a wigwam and a teepee, he's too tense, and just the immediate boom that we get from uh, Coach Beard on that one. But no, the one that got me, and it was it, it has like a tangent, is Higgins when he comes into the office with Rebecca and he says, I have five boys, I never look over anyone's shoulder at what's on their screen. And then he has that pause and that faraway look and says, I used to. Because Mina Kimes the other day brought up to me the scene in um, Bridesmaids when the mom is at the party and says, I have five boy- boys and everything in the house is covered in sperm. I cracked a, I cracked a blanket in half. Do you know what that means? So it just immediately took me back. To, I had that conversation like the day before watching the episode. And I was like, what are the odds? It's so perfect. It's so good. No, I love that. I think that's really good. I only have one boy. So when Roy is getting out of the taxi, and he says, as Nikki Six said in Motley Cruz behind the music, you have to date your wife. <laughs> <laughs> like all of us who were like, around, we were all in what junior high, but watched all those behind the musics because we thought we were so cool watching VH1. It just really brought me back to that. Like, remember the, uh, what was it? The Leif Garrett one and like the apology. Like we all watched those, right? Was I the only one who watched those? No, we all, we all dove into behind the music, okay. but that oh, yeah. line that fits what we know about Roy, because yes, he's the gruff guy who grunts and, and swears all the time. But Roy Kent is a romantic. But he loves. Uh, we've, we've seen that. Yeah. He's, he's cooking for, you know, he's making dinner for Keely and he's, they're communicating well, they apologize and it's just, they're a great couple. they, they are very, uh, very selfless when it when it comes to certain activities. Like Roy Kent, very much a it. romantic guy. Yeah, a romantic guy. So <laughs> it makes sense that he's offering dating advice. And maybe he maybe he got it from Nikki Six, but whatever it is, it, it works. Um, there's also something related to Roy. This isn't a line that I thought was very funny, but it is when when Roy does the Jerry Maguire line, the "Shut up, you had me at coach." When Beard gasps, I didn't. I only caught it on repeat, but it's the very. Oh, it's just. It's phenomenal. Oh. Absolutely phenomenal. 
Can I also give an honorable mention to Colin's face when Keely asks him to post about the Nespresso and not mention <laughs> Welsh independence this time? <laughs> and he just like looks at her very quizzically for a second and it's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing about how this show operates is that didn't have to be a thing. These players nope. picking up the Nespresso machines. It could have just, Keely could have just said, I got the players, you know, this Nespresso deal. And then it goes to what her and Rebecca are talking about. But it also has our our cast members coming through and each giving a thing. We get this camera focus on Jamie and you think he's going to do something, but he just puts a lot of effort into his Nespresso choice and takes it. You get Danny Rojas talking about being born caffeinated. Uh, Colin's <laughs> thinking about Welsh independence. It's, it's a thing that this show just, it's no wasted space, no wasted moment. Everything is so intentional and it all works so well together. Together. It god damn this show for being so good. <laughs> How dare you also, make me care about everyone? <laughs> I also think too it sets up well, not the first thing because the first scene we see is of course Nate in the restaurant, but we're setting up this line of Nate feeling like he's not part of this group and he's not part of like his own life. And so I think you see this throughout the episode of he's not assertive enough, da-da-da. But then we get to the end. He's wearing the suit that Ted bought him for the auction last year. He's the only one, only coach wearing a suit. He's finally come into himself. And then here comes fucking Roy Kent walking on the field in his much better looking suit. And Nate is the only one who's not happy about it. And he just kind of looks at him and feels defeated instantly. And so I think like the Nespresso scene is another example of that, where Nate feels like he doesn't really belong anywhere. And I think that's going to explode soon. And I'm scared. Well, we haven't really talked about somehow we're 36 minutes in. We haven't talked about it's typical the, the whole Nate of this episode because <laughs> this episode, the other than the rom-com stuff and the Roy Kent plot, this is, it's a lot about Nate. I and I, I was going to we, we do a what worked, what didn't work. I, I almost never have anything about this show that doesn't work. I put this in what didn't work, but I'm I'm not really I'm not committed to it not working. It's just something I wanted to to bring up. Are we sure the Nate stuff was all good? It, it was interesting that they rolled this out this this coach because I I loved watching Keely and Rebecca coach him into being assertive, and I'm you know loved seeing him get that that window table and kind of stick up for himself, even shoot a shot to get a number. But it's interesting that we Nate has had the most uneven season so far. He's really not sure his place in the world. He's been kind of grouchy with the new kit man. And then they they roll this out. It seems like he's kind of, you know, he's feeling himself a little bit like Alex was saying. And then Roy comes back and he's right back to being insecure, not rolling himself out. So it's almost like this. It's almost like did we we take one step forward and three steps back? Mike, what was your thought about the Nate of this whole episode? Yeah, so I actually, he kind of plays in a part in what worked and what didn't for me because it, to me, I just wrote down like Nate's continued struggle to find himself because that's like every part of this. You mentioned he treats the new locker room manager like crap because that's what he think power thinks power is, is the bleep rolling downhill. He asks Keely to make him famous because that's what he thinks power is. And even like him spitting on the mirror in that scene where he's like, doing his version of hyping himself up you look around at all of this and like none of that felt healthy like the message in this show is usually like kindness wins and even in the scene the thing that didn't work for me was well a the idea that you could just that easily change restaurant policy like the people that work at those hostess tables are not new to this they're true to this you're not getting that table just going up there acting up but just the idea that like 
power or asserting yourself is also borderline rudeness. And maybe that's just like my own sensitivities to that. But like, that did not come off as like, hey, being borderline rude to someone in the service industry is you asserting yourself here. So, but I think that's all emblematic of what we get in that last scene where he puts on a suit and walks out to the pitch because again, that's what he thinks like power is. But then he looks at Roy and he immediately starts comparing himself to someone else. And it's like, you clearly see this guy's still not comfortable with whoever he is, whether it's trying to please his parents, whether it's trying to be the version of a coach. Like another very small thing is, Ted neutering his whistle, like, oh, I gave you an indoor whistle when he goes to blow in that. Like, every part of this is all of his little versions of what he thinks power is being kind of undone by the universe around him. And that's why, to Alex's point, I think we're heading for the blow up that has been like a like a slow set it and forget it for this season. Yeah. Because this isn't the Nate that we all and Ted and everyone else fell in love with and ended up respecting a lot, the, got the team to respect a lot at the end of last season. Keeley tells him, you are who you are because you, you are who you are because of who you are. And that version of Nate is is who we need back and who he needs to find his way into. He's in this new role, but he still needs to maintain who he is. And so, Alex, who do you think is going to be pulling that out of Nate because there's a lot of you you, you got to think the show isn't going to leave Nate in limbo it's not how this show operates like we're not gonna they're not going to end this series with like Nate doesn't know himself really so it's who is the who needs to get to Nate who is who is the person who where is this heart-to-heart going to come from or something we, we've got Ted we've got Dr. Fieldstone we've got Roy Keely and Rebecca who helped him out a little bit this episode, or at least tried to like, where do you think this is, you know, who, who is, who's that one person who Nate is going to be able to respond to best? I don't know if it's going to be a person, but I do think it's going to be a situation because I think, you know, to Mike's point about, you know, spitting on the mirror, like it was just very aggressive and him whistling at his dad. Like it was all just very like, let me show you what my power is. And that's against everything the show is about. The neutering of the whistle, the fact that Nate said when they talked about Isaac having a rough game and Nate's like, yeah, I'll be the big dog who talks to him. And Ted laughs at him and Beard is serious and Beard kind of looks at him like, no, man, he's serious. Like he's if we're going to make him a coach, we got to treat him like a coach. And I think I don't know if it's going to be a person. I think it's going to be a situation. And then we have Dr. Sharon, who will probably step in and remedy whatever is going on because he's just got a lot of anger and side note, did you know the Kitman? Like his actual character name is Will Kitman. Wow, <laughs> that's like that's that like in that in thing there. you do with uh, with TV player. With the <laughs> By the way, that's his name. But I, I, you know, I don't know what it's going to be. Obviously, but I think it'll be some situation where Nate says something he's undermined. He's going to lose it, and then they have to put him in some situation with either Doctor Sharon or even maybe suspending him for a while or something to get that handled because he's the only one on that team who's truly bringing negativity to it and bringing a lot of spite because I think that's all he knows. And he needs, you know, it's like, I always say the men need therapy. (laughs) You brought brought up the name that I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be coach beard because we saw the little moments of reaching out from him where He said, like, no, he's serious. Like, he kind of looked at Ted like, you got to dial it down. He needs this. And then right after that, when Nate walks out, Beard hits him with, I can accept Fanny. Like, he knew he needed someone to acknowledge him in that moment. I think Beard's waiting for his moment to call up here. Yeah. 
think so. That too. would make a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense. Mike, is there anything else about this episode that worked that we have not touched on yet? Um, what worked? I think uh oh, the um the when Rebecca and Keely are coaching Nate up and she talks about getting big. I wish I could remember where exactly I talked about this, but power poses are a very like real psychological phenomenon. And I remember someone explaining to me one time, and uh, again, if I'm remembering this wrong as like some made up SAT question, I apologize to someone who knows actual science, but the way my memory perceives it is someone mentioned that when they did a study that even like young kids and even people that can't see when they were experiencing a moment of joy or celebration, the instinct was to put your arms up because that particular posture like puts you in a powerful position. And so I saw Rebecca doing that. And I remember like at some point along the way, people are like, yeah, if you're trying to get going in your day, just sitting like this for a while and feeling the power that comes with being big and exposed like that was supposedly a very real thing. So I was like, oh, that, that, that makes sense what Rebecca's doing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm five, nothing, and that's never going to change. <laughs> like, I get smaller as I get older, who knows? And I've worn heels my entire life. And even in situations where it just didn't make sense, but something to me about heels, like just having a few extra inches of height, give me a totally different perspective of myself than being in flats or being in tennis shoes or being in something like that. And so I felt the same way when I saw that, like, if you can kind of make yourself big and make yourself feel bigger, it's, it's a big deal. You know, like, I think it's interesting just, you know, like starting a new job in a pandemic when everyone is remote and you're not having face-to-face interaction, it's easier for me to interact with people because I'm not seeing them face-to-face, but I'm used to spending my days looking up at everyone and so for me, like if this were a normal thing, I'd be wearing like four inch stilettos every day. And then of course having surgery later on, cause that's ridiculous. <laughs> like <laughs> destroying my feet. But I think there's a lot to that. I don't really have anything to add, except it is just so nice every episode to be able to fully root for Rebecca and have, have Rebecca completely on our team working for the same goals we're working for in the show. Um, I'm just very glad that they did not drag the, the Rebecca Rupert, plot line into into season two it is just it has been one of the most refreshing parts about this season it's just being completely team rebecca in, in every aspect so um want to get into our main man ted who we actually have not really talked about that much all season episode. it's kind of <laughs> yeah kind of the theme of this season like this they're letting other people share the ball what is um alex what was your what was the best ted moment of this episode oh i love when he goes to the kebab place and first of all like i love the the signed photos on the wall because one of them is Roy, but one of them is George Went, which is Jason's uncle. And I thought that was just such a cute, like, aside, you know. Was the other Marcus Mumford? I didn't catch it, but. Oh, I was just I looking at either. Roy and, and, and Norm yeah. from Cheers. Norm from Cheers. <laughs> um, and someone, someone actually got mad at me that I said that on Twitter. <laughs> they were like, some of us are saving the episode for later. I'm like, I didn't spoil it. I just said Norm from Cheers was on the wall. I digress. Um, I, but I love, he comes in and Roy's like, this is my church. This is just, this is where I eat. And he, he takes two bites of his food and he leaves and does the whole church thing. I mean, it's just, it's classic Ted of like meeting somebody where they are and not expecting them to come to him. And to me, I think like just in my life, like I really believe in that when it comes to your friends or your loved ones or anybody, if they need you, or I'm just a big believer in going to where they are. And I just, like, it touches me when that happens, when it's not just a give him a call and say, Hey, come to my office, which he has the power to do. 
he can do that. He's the coach of a club. He could say, Hey, just meet me here. He finds them where they are and meets them where they are, whether it's physically or emotionally or whatever. And I think it's classic Ted and I love it. That's this whole thing is Ted, the the thing he is best at is making people comfortable or at least putting in the effort to make someone comfortable, whether in getting on their level in some way. It's it's just you're right. Classic Ted. Mike, what was your favorite Ted moment of this one? It, weirdly, it was one we talked about and it was kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. It was where he laughed at Nate's notion of being the big dog because it's a reminder that as good as Ted is and all that stuff, he's still human. And every once in a while, he's going to mess this up and he's not going to like recognize someone's feelings. And in that moment, be this like perfect being that sometimes he gets made out to be. So like the humanizing moment for Ted of him messing up and kind of being a jerk in that spot was to me like, all right, this is, this is good. Like we need that reminder every once in a while. Yeah. It's kind of like when, when we see Dr. Dr. Sharon, Dr. Fieldstone kind of knock him down a few notches every now and then in the episode. And like Ted, Ted isn't, isn't no all. I think that's a, that's a really, really good point. Um, my, mine with Ted is the, the whole notion of rom communism that just had me in <laughs> stitches and just, and just, and just sparking a discussion about rom-com couples and the best ones. Like I, I could not, this episode could not have been more up my alley. Like the whole, from the get go, the, the rom communism, uh, who mentions the three Kates? Cause that, that fucking killed me. I think that might've been Colin. Yeah. It was like, I think it was, it was in that first scene, like Beckinsale, Winslet, Hudson. Was that what it was? I love seeing Jamie just participating in it too. As just a, <laughs> one of the guys. How about when Beard slaps Nate when he brings up another goes different spelling. <laughs> <laughs> brings up a uh, Blanchette. Yeah. What's funny too is the night before, or I guess it was night, uh, but the day before I saw Lasso, on a whim, I watched The Princess Bride for the first time ever. And it was one of those things I just never got around to and I knew I needed to. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. I loved it. And I'll probably watch it a million times over the next year. And then that one little scene where Ted's like, as you were. I was like, I did it for a reason. I was so happy. <laughs> when that happened, Jacqueline and I were watching it in bed. And and Ted says the thing is Roy's walking away. He says that as you wish. And I told right. her, I was yeah, like, I'm so glad that Alex watched the princess bride tonight because she's going to get that joke. And it's just, it's going to, it's going to hit so much different. Like it couldn't have, couldn't have been more perfect. Um, the Lenny Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character in this one. I'm, I feel like it's a kind of an easy call. It's, it's Roy. And I, one moment that we haven't talked about with Roy, but if he had no lines in this one, just the moment where the phone lights up his face on the, on the text message will make me laugh forever. Uh, when when Ted and Isaac are looking at him, so Mike, is there is there anyone that the best supporting character could be besides Roy in this one? Uh, no, I think this is is Roy's going away. I think the moment where he growls at the kid at the ticket booth when he's picking up the uh, the ticket for Reba is pretty great. Although I will give honorable mention to Coach Beard, an unbelievable number of like very subtle moments. His grunt, his disapproving grunt when Ted mentions rom communism as he's not all the way in on the pun there. And then when they're walking out to the pitch and Ted mentions five good hacks or it's like seven good hacks and he goes five lumberjack world championship qualifier in whatever year, <laughs> let's go. And he just like <laughs> drops that in. That is a man who has had many masters. I know. Beard is amazing and Brendan Hunt is amazing. And I, I will read every interview he does. Cause I think he's just so brilliant. Fantastic. 
Yeah, I think I said it was a couple episodes ago. I was like, I hope we get a, a beard centric episode at some point. But he he's so great in these just like sprinkling in stuff like that. The lumberjack and the gasp and stuff. he's such a he's such a great straight <laughs> man and just great at, at kind of picking up what Ted's putting down. So I don't know if a beard centric episode would work. But again, this show, I, anything, anything they try would work at this point. Alex, what is something that you want to see in the next episode? A question you have something, something you're hoping gets addressed. Hmm. I want to find out who Rebecca's texting on banter. I want to go on the record by saying banter is a terrible idea. There's no, like I've used traditional dating apps for 30 seconds at a time. And then I delete them because they're awful. The last thing I want to do is some anonymous thing. I mean, we've all been on Twitter. I've seen what people actually look like and they're terrible. And I don't mean like they look terrible. I just mean people can trick you so easily and I think it's dangerous. So I hope she ends up with a good guy or that it ends up not being a disaster. That would be nice. Also, I love how banter this new app is suddenly so big they could become the main sponsor of the team did you notice that how yeah. banter is now replaced Dubai air um they bought out bumble yeah so i hope like i hope that happens i hope maybe beard and jane have some some sort of like closure beard and jane remind me of every college relationship i ever had where it's like this is over but we were going to go to the formal swap next week. So we're still going to do it. <laughs> like, like it just, it never ends. And so I don't know. I hope for some, but we're also like not even halfway through yet. So who knows? That's the, that's the crazy thing. I'm so glad we get to 12 episodes. Oh. Mike, what is something that you're hoping gets addressed in the next episode? Uh, man. And you know what? I guess to Alex's point, like I have to remind myself how early we are on this process because I have a feeling this one is waiting till the end, but like it's the dance between Ted and doc right now. Like yeah. what's finally going to get him to sit down with her. Like, I don't even know if it's the conversation. It's what's the preceding event. That's finally going to push him to the point where he's like, all right, I need to actually address these things. I think his wife is going to be with someone else. I think she's going to want to marry someone else. Oof. That's what I think. Yeah, I mean, that's that is coming. I don't know when, but yeah, Mike, you're probably that is probably episode 11, episode 12, I would think. It's either the, the penultimate or the, the finale. I'm going to I am not going to say something I want answered in the next episode because I just I want to take my time <laughs> to shout out something that we we did not mention is the when the match is starting. And it is the hair when Harry met Sally tribute of the older couple talking about how they met. I did not want to to let that one slide again. When Harry met Sally, best rom com. The the line about wanting to, I, I think Ted gives it to Roy. The wanting to, you know, when you want to coach with someone, you wanted to start right now or whatever. I use that line from the movie in my wedding, my actual wedding vows. Aww. So that is, yeah, because we had that we had the COVID wedding where we we went ahead and just did it, the small thing, and I wanted to start it, start my life right, right then. So. Uh, them the sh the show leaning on when Harry met Sally in this episode was very important. And that couple was was wonderful. Is is a very nice touch, uh, guys. This has been a lot of fun. I am so glad both of you could join me for this one. Mike, where can the folks follow you? Check out what you're up to. Yeah, at M, uh, at Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter and Instagram. There are plenty of announcements about what's coming up with the radio show and everything. But uh, and also plenty of tweets about Ted Lasso coming up at the end of every week. Alex, tell the folks where they can follow you. Everywhere. 
<laughs> you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Alex McDaniel. But more than that, please follow for the win at for the win at ftw.usatoday.com. We're having a lot of fun. And if you enjoy this episode of Big Street Sports, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash big screen sports. And if you're a baseball fan, go check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm that's presented by Baseball America. Comes at you every other Tuesday. And we'll catch you next week talking Ted Lasso. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.